Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Sunday mornings on The Score. Hornets have scored two points in the last four minutes. Until then, Kendall Gill. Jordan has 12. Nice play. Gill gets it in to Larry Johnson by Del Curry. Into the corner, and Kendall Gill doesn't miss that one. Now five to shoot. Gill against Walker. Good defender. What an offensive player this guy is. Kendall Gill with a beautiful move. Kendall Gill? Wow! That's my reaction. When we get to have him on the show, it's exactly my reaction. It's hit and run right here on 670 The Score. Although today we're doing a little pick and roll. Kendall, we, you know, sometimes we do bump and run. Um, if, uh, if, if the football need uh, arises, a little dump and chase uh, if hockey needs to happen. But I'm always up for some pick and roll. Thank you for the time. How you doing this morning, sir? Oh, I'm doing great, man. How are you guys doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And um, every, family doing all right? People healthy around your world? Oh, I hope fa- so. Yeah, fa- family's doing well. And, uh, you know, my wife is running around here today in a full-length bathrobe, ordering everybody to do everything. So, you know, uh, the, the honeymoon is over, man. <laughs> what? What is, is it? Is that different than other days? I like the full length bathrobe. That's a nice touch. Like, yeah, yeah. No. It's no, 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 the past. I think. I think. I think the honeymoon phase ended like at the year five. Oh, I'm in year fifteen man. now. So she's been oh. walking around that bathrobe for ten years now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kendall, I told you. Um, I, I've have had my wife and I. During this time, you got to incorporate each other into other parts of your life. You kind of have no choice. You know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> I, I'm trying to box. I'm trying to box and work out. And my wife, um, she got some of the catching mitts. I know you are a boxer. Um, right. I got her some catching mitts, and she's calling out one, two, three, four. And I'm like, I'm trying not to hit her. And and but I'm and, and but it's it's working out well. We're we're fighting together. This is a good way to keep to keep fit, I guess. We'll yeah, it's a, it's a great it's a great way to keep fit and, and get rid of stress and all that stuff too. You know, I have this group that runs every morning the sixty forty challenge, which I used to do in college, and you know, it's grown from like two or three guys running at six thirty in the morning to like almost twenty people now. You know, running every morning, and uh, you know, we practice social distancing, of course, but you know, it's turned out to be great. So, anytime you want to uh, partake in the workout, man, come on out. 
Oh, man, you don't want me running with you. <laughs> well, and I would run with you for a total of like four seconds. Then I'd be like, right, see you guys. I'll catch, okay. I'll catch up with you down the road. Um, okay. Kendall, I, uh, I, I've been loving The Last Dance, and I've loved when I've had a chance to hear you talk about it. And here we go uh, tonight with the final episodes. By the way, Danny Parkins is hosting a, a, a show right at 10 p.m. sharp tonight on The Score reacting to The Last Dance. So that is tonight oh, nice. at, at 10 p.m. sharp. Um, but what, do you, what are you expecting out of, these, uh, out, out of the finale episodes tonight? What, what are you expecting to be like the major themes that we get discussed? Um, I think the major theme will be relief. Uh, relief that it, that the whole thing is over because, you know, I, I when I go back and watch the last dance, the third championship that they won, that they won you can remember John Paxson saying that it wasn't so much happiness that they won, it was just relief. And now they come into the sixth championship and you have the ordeal with Phil and his contract situation, him, uh, Jerry Krause saying that, you know, this is going to be your last year, Scotty's contract situation, Michael uh, not know, saying that, listen, I'm not going to play for another coach. And also the, the iron fist rule of Michael, you know, me watching this whole thing, I'm sure that, that was a stressful environment uh, for most of the guys that he picked on to, to be in. And, um, you know, to me, I, I think that it would be a relief for them to win a championship and, and move on. You know, so that, that's what I'm looking for. I, I want to see how they close the show. Yeah. You know, I, I'm interested in I wonder if they'll address at all or if they'll have other people address, Kendall, the effect that that this had on the Bulls organization, which, in my opinion, they're still kind of trying to emerge from fairly or not. Players around the league, free agents at different times, other people around the league have thought of the Bulls as an organization that did not do right for its own in terms of Michael and breaking up that team. I think that's had a residual effect on their ability to recruit and their ability to get things done. I wonder if that'll be addressed. Do you, do you, do you agree that that has been a factor these last mm, 20, 21 years for the Bulls? Well, yeah, it has been somewhat of a factor because, you know, of course I, I was still playing back then and you know free agents used to talk about that about you know not wanting uh to go to chicago because they didn't trust uh the things that that had happened there and then you know when you had um i think that that repeated itself with derrick rose you know with the way that he was traded and and he didn't know that he was going to be traded and and you know we all saw what happened with that situation. So, but now, you know, the bulls have a new front office and and hopefully, you know, all of those feelings amongst the free agents that are out there that would consider Chicago, hopefully they look at this as a brand new start. Um, And, you know, maybe that will be addressed in these last two episodes. Um, I don't really know, but, you know, I would have liked to have seen the bulls, you know, continue to to go um, and, and try to win championships until they lost. However, you know, I agree with my with my colleague Casey Johnson, who's the Bulls who works with us at NBC Universal, in saying that the Bulls were supposed to win exactly six championships. 
because, you know, after me, why I, I used to be one of those guys to say, I think the Bulls could have won eight straight at Michael not retired. But mm. after watching this documentary, I don't believe they could have because of one injury, because of all of the turmoil that was going on behind the scenes, um, because of the toll it was taking on, on not only Michael, but the rest of the team mentally, physically, and emotionally. It's tough to go eight years in a row and get to that level year in and year out. I don't see how they could have done it now that I've seen this documentary. Now, now that you see how hard it was and how much the weight of everything was there, I, I get that. What, what did people used to say, Kendall, when they were talking about it? Did they, they think they should have all been kept together? I saw Kevin Garnett said, what, a couple months ago, he referenced that that he thought Jordan should have got a stake in the Bulls. Now, that That's going a, a long way, but maybe that was commonly talked about. Was it, as far as you had heard? Well, a lot of players thought that Michael should have remained with the organization, that, you know, he, he should have been um, kept as a Chicago Bull. He should have never been gone to the Washington Wizards uh, front office and, you know, never should have gone uh, to the Charlotte Hornets. They, they always thought that he should have been. I mean, he's always going to be recognized as a Chicago Bull no matter what. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think that, yes, he should have been given a small stake in in the team to begin with, much like the Lakers did with Magic Johnson. But Magic Johnson did have to pay about $25 million to buy into that stake. <laughs> you know, I don't know whether Michael – Michael probably would have would have done it, um, but it was never offered. So, um, you know, I'm – I'm somewhat – I somewhat lead towards the people that think that Michael should have been given the opportunity to have a small stake in the franchise since he built it into an international uh, phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. understood. Um, Kendall Gill, when you signed with the, with the Sonics in 93, you, you were just a couple of weeks away from being able to make a different decision. Right. Yeah. You're kind of, yeah. kind of, kind of, because Mike. Why didn't Mike talk to you? Why didn't he talk to you and give you a window that he was going to do that so you could have more options? Maybe you would have been a bull right then. You would have fit in beautifully, don't you think? Yeah, and, and you know, I was um, at that time. I believe I was 23, 24 years old, and um, mm. you know, I, I just come off of averaging 18 points a game with the with the Hornets and uh, going to the second round in, in the playoffs. I. I you know, and for, for all the people that don't know, I did. We did a podcast the other day, and I was telling the guys that I really, I, I love the people in Seattle. I love the fans in Seattle. I thought I loved my teammates there, but I really didn't want to sign that contract. You know, I kind of got talked into it, uh, and being young and not able to stand on my own two feet, I, I was kind of weak and went against my better judgment uh, for myself. And, you know, had I had it to do over again, I would have either gone back to Charlotte or if the opportunity came up where I was still not signed by the Hornets and Michael retired, I would have loved to have come home and and played for the Bulls in my prime and, well, approaching my prime and played in that triangle offense and played with great players like Scotty and Horace and a great coach like Phil Jackson um, and I felt like I was built for the triangle offense. 
you know, triangle offense, and I tell this to people all the time, it requires players that have a high basketball IQ that understand the concepts of team play and all the freedom that you have within in that offense. And that's why the Bulls were so good at it, because they had very, very smart players. Michael and Scotty, great athletes, but they don't get enough credit for how smart they were. And that's why the triangle offense was able to be so successful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a beautiful system, allowing for the freedom and, mm-hmm. and some of those skills of isolation ball, but within the team concept. It's, right. It, 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 isn't it weird, is it weird that it's, that it's gone uh, away, or, or, or are people running any semblance of it anywhere? Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it seems like everybody's just doing, you know, high pick and roll everywhere I look. That's what I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the Golden State Warriors run some aspects of it. Of course, their coach is Steve Kerr, and, and Steve is, a, of course, Steve was so successful in the triangle offense. Of course, he's going to add some aspects of the triangle in it. But, um, you know, I was watching an interview before Kobe uh, passed away, and Kobe said about today's basketball, it's accidental basketball. You drive to the basket, and if you don't have a layup, you toss it out to somebody, and if they open, they shoot a three. You know, the triangle offense is a structured offense, and I believe even if, even in today's game, if you got 12 guys that knew how to run it, they could still beat you because they could slice you up and still shoot three-pointers at the same clip that all everybody else does. So, mm. yeah, I believe that, that it wouldn't be a dinosaur in today's age if they brought it back out again. I remember when you and I, Kendall Gill, did a show together around the All-Star Game and you unveiled your list of of the the toughest players to defend one-on-one mm-hmm. that you had right. ever played. It's an incredibly entertaining list. And for those who did not know, Michael was not number one. He was number two on that list. He was number two, right? yeah. Yeah he, was, yeah, he was number two. Um, and it, don't get me wrong. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was tough, okay? Uh-huh. But, the toughest guy I ever had to guard was formerly Chris Jackson, but now Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. And you know, I told you the story about when we played him at LSU, uh, the first time I've ever I ever played against him. This is back in when we had a powerhouse, '89, the Flying Illini. Yeah. We went in there, we, we we beat the crap out of him, but he was the toughest guy. And I remember t- I told you the first play of the game, I was guarding Chris Mahmoud, and he I heard the crowd cheer. I didn't even know he had scored. That's how good he was. I didn't even see him score the basket. <laughs> the crowd was going crazy. I said, what are they cheering for? <laughs> and I was looking around. He's already running back down to the end of the court. On oh, the, my God. On That's how good he was. You know, so, A lot of people uh-huh. don't understand how, how good that guy was offensively. Oh, so smooth and herky jerky, just weird. Like nobody moved like him, right? No, her, her, this... herky jerky and fast, and uh, you know, like I, I tell people, you know, like you, you see Manny Pacquiao, uh, one of all time great boxers. You can't see his punches coming. Okay, that's mm-hmm. the way Chris Chris Jackson's Mahmoud's offense was. You couldn't see it coming, and you know that's the way he sliced guys up. It, it has watching this thing. Has your has your viewpoint on on Scotty changed at all? Or, I mean, it, it, you you knew a lot of this stuff though, I'm sure, but it's not it's not been a great public moment for Scotty. It, it, it hasn't, and but you know, I talked to a couple of my friends, and they say that in this upcoming episode tonight, um, nine and ten. 
that they're they are going to highlight a lot of the good things that Scotty did, which which is great because you know a lot of Scotty's recognized as one of the fifty greatest of all time. Scotty Pippen was a hell of a player. You know, I'm so glad that the Bulls did not make that trade for uh, Sean Kemp back when they were thinking about trading Scotty. Sean Kemp was a great player. I played with Scotty. I mean, but I mean, I played with Sean, but. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. He didn't do all the things that Scottie Pippen did for the Bulls. I think that would not have been a good fit. But you know, Scottie did make some mistakes during his career. You know, with the Tony Kukoc, one point eight seconds left, he he should have gone in. I mean, you can't you cannot quit on your teammates. You know, you just can't do it. Um, you know, the migraine game that he had against Detroit. But you know, you can go back to when Scottie was playing in Game Six at Utah when his back was killing him. And he couldn't. He 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 was limping up and down the court. People don't ever talk about how he gutted that out, you know, in Game Six, and they threw him the ball uh, a couple times in the last few minutes of the fourth quarter, and he scored even with a bad back, you know. So he was not weak by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but hopefully, you know, some of the things that he did early in his career. Uh, a lot of that will be taken care of tonight when they show episodes nine and ten. Because Scotty is, you know, I played. I had I had a brief season with Scotty here in Chicago, and he was one of the best teammates that a guy could have. Yeah, well, and and that's the thing. It's like to to be as good as he was and as talented as he was, and have the the humility to understand. All right, but Mike is here. Let's do what we got to right. do, and 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 have it work. I mean, it's like it reminds me a little bit of what Clay Thompson does in Golden State. Mm-hmm. Like, just I'll, I'll do whatever I got to do. It's what I wish um, guys like Jimmy Butler, frankly, could could do more of instead of wanting to be the man everywhere. You know, sometimes yeah. you gotta. It's okay. It's okay to be a great dominant number two. It's okay to do that. It's uh. There, it, I'm sure you ran across guys in your career and moments in your career with teammates where you wished people had had the kind of humility that Scotty showed on the court. Yeah, and, and you know, listen, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you straight up. You know, I was one of those guys in in Charlotte. You know, I wanted I wanted more of the piece of the pie. You know, and I made a mistake. I was young. You know, I didn't understand. Um, you know, you had Batman and Robin. Um, Larry Johnson was Batman. Alonzo Mourning was Robin. You know, I would have been a, I, I, if I had to do all, uh, it all over again. I was going to win championships. It's okay to be Alfred if you win. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's okay. <laughs> it's even okay to be Commissioner Gordon if you win. <laughs> all right. So that's what young players don't understand. You know, and Scotty understood that. I, it's a, it, I'm, I'm a great number two. I'm a great Robin. Look at we're, we're talking about Scotty, twenty two years later, because you won, and see these are the things that I didn't understand when I was young. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish I could. I wish that that would have gotten through to me. You know, because I think if I had stayed with Charlotte and Larry Johnson, Alonzo Warren, Dale Curry, Muggsy Bowes, we would have caused some damage, some serious damage in this league. Yeah, you would. Who knows? We, would, we probably would have been one of those teams battling the Bulls for to go to the championship. Yeah, I, you know? I, I I loved yeah. loved that team. Loved you on that team, yeah. Kendall Gill. You, you know, I, I I've thought about Jimmy because I feel like so many people have tried to copy Michael's leadership style. You know, 
and mm-hmm. try and try to try to go for that. Like I'm gonna I am gonna will the best out of my teammates, and I'm not gonna be afraid to be an a hole. But it's like you you real you better be great. You better be truly great if you're gonna lead that way. There's very few people that can get away with that, and uh, you know so was Michael able to get away with it because he was that great? Or was there also a likability underneath there that, that people don't realize needs to be there. If you're going to lead that way, you got to have a little bit of likability mixed in there. You, 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 you have to have a little bit of likability mixed in there. You can't just be a jerk all over the place. You know, mm-hmm. my Michael's leadership style was successful for him, but you know, I've seen magic Johnson have a totally different leadership style. You know, I can remember my rookie year. We're playing out in L.A., and Magic looks so – and James Worthy is not playing hard that night. But we're at the free throw line. Magic Johnson looks over to James Worthy and says, hey, James, is that all you're going to give me tonight? Hmm. Immediately, James Worthy hits the switch, and he starts playing his butt off. He doesn't call them the names that Michael was calling all of his teammates and everything like that. It's a different leadership style. Sometimes you have to approach guys differently. And, you know, that's what worked for Michael. Um, you know, as far as Jimmy Butler is concerned, you know, you, you got you to gotta win something first, <laughs> you know, before you start doing, <laughs> doing that. I, I understand Jimmy, what, what he was trying to do and everything, but it just didn't work, you know. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if he'll look back, you know, with later on in his life and think, man, I could have, I could have made it work with with me and Derek, or I could have made it work with me and Carl Anthony Towns, you mm-hmm. know, or or maybe I could have made it work with me and Embiid and Simmons. What could we have done, you know? Instead, he ended up in Miami with a a decent team and you know winning mm-hmm. 50, 50 games, but but never winning really anything. Yeah, and, and you know, I can tell him from experience. You know, he is going to wonder that, you know, because uh, when it's all said and done, you know, you are measured by whether you're a winner or not. You know, yeah, I mean, listen, I had a a pretty good career. People are going to say, Jimmy, yeah, you had a great career. But bottom line is you are looked at differently if you are a champion after you retired. Hmm. Um, Tell people, if you don't mind, Kendall, about Jordan coming to your house to play cards. You, you got. Oh, yeah. Was it only one time? Was it only one time, or, or was it a couple times? Well, that, that's that's the one time that he came to my house when I was living in Charlotte. You know, he came yeah. over, and uh, he and his friend Adolph Shiver, who, who was his best friend at the time, and Adolph actually was really good friends with me. So he just come over, and you know, we. I, I thought it was only going to be for a hot minute, but then you know, hey, yeah, you guys want to play some cards? Yeah, okay. Can't, he can't resist it, okay? Because he's got to win. <laughs> so. We started playing cards seven hours later. <laughs> He's still there. Uh, <laughs> and, by, and by this time, we've, we've uh, you know, we, we put money on the table. And, and you know, I was actually winning the game, but he would not stop until he won his money back. And, um, you know, and he would always, and you can remember in, in one of the episodes of The Last Dance, Magic Johnson said, Michael would always say, okay, let's play one more hour. Let's play one more hour. And that's what he was doing that particular night. 
Oh man, that's the best. It, maybe maybe the most telling moment in the whole doc for me is when Will Perdue, when your colleague Will Perdue is talking about him and Steve Kerr are playing like dollar poker in the front of the bus, yeah. right? Yeah. And Michael's playing for big stakes in the back. And Michael walks up and says, come on, let me, let, me, let, 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 let me play with you guys. And Will's like, Mike, we're playing for a dollar. What do you want? And he's like, I want your money in my pocket. That's what I want. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 that's, and you know what? A lot of the myth is not a myth. It's true how crazy competitive he was. You know, you know, I, I can, and you know, I can remember uh, one day we're here at the Planet at the United Center, and he and Scotty are double teaming me, and you know, we're always taught in order to get guys off, you grab the basketball and you know, kind of like throw your elbows, and that's what I was doing, okay. And then Michael stuff said, "Hey, watch your elbows," and I was like, "Hey, listen, you throwing your elbows at me, I'm gonna throw my elbows at you." And one thing he said, he said, "Okay, I can respect that." Hmm. Yeah, see, he he, he so, wants you to stand up. Wants you to stand up to him. Oh yeah, yeah. If you if you, if you don't if you don't stand up to him, you're dead duck. So. <laughs> All right, Kendall, a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for the time. Be well and and follow the orders of the one in the robe. Okay, she knows. I will. She, hey, look, she's looking at me right now. I know she's got a list of things for me to do. <laughs> Honestly, start just start knocking them down one by one. You got all day. You can do it. All right, man. Tell Chris Thanks, I say Kendall. hello. Uh, you, I will. I will. You got it. All right. See you later. Bye. All right. That's Kendall Gill. Kendall Gill saying hello to my wife. They went to college together back in uh, Champaign. And isn't it nice, like when you you meet somebody later on in your life and you realize, oh, wait, they knew, I knew somebody and. And my wife says Kendall was a sweetheart, was a wonderful guy in college. It didn't have to be because he was running with the flying Illini. You could, you could do whatever you want. But Kendall was a good man. It still is. It's hit and run right here on 670 The Score. Uh, speaking of a good man, Chris Kampka will join us soon for Camp Connected before we wrap it up. But RIP to a straight-up legend who passed yesterday. We'll do that next on The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. What the hell did you trade JP in for? <laughs> you had 30 home runs and over 100 RBIs last year. He's got a rocket for an arm. You don't know what the hell you're doing. Jerry Stiller passed away this week. Obviously, so many know him as Frank Costanza. Um, but Stiller and Mira, man, growing up in my house, um, my parents had a couple of comedy albums, just a couple. One was Nichols and May, Mike Nichols and Elaine May, and one was Stiller and Mira. I guess they had three. They had Tom Lehrer, too. They had Tom Lehrer songs. Just genius. But all three of those, man, so classic. And Stiller and Mira, and Mira and, and Jerry Stiller, were hugely important as a comedy duo early on. And then Seinfeld brings him back. But Stiller and Mira very much improv people. Nichols and May improv people. And we lost another one yesterday. I didn't realize, look, forgive me, but I have not watched a lot of Modern Family. I didn't even realize Fred Willard was on Modern Family. I heard somebody saying yesterday, oh yeah, the dad from Modern Family died. I'm like, what, who? You mean, you mean Ed O'Neill, the married with children guy? No, I didn't realize that was Fred Willard. That's not who Fred Willard is. I mean, that's who he ended up being, I guess for some, that's okay. But Fred Willard, come on, Fernwood tonight, baby. Waiting for Guffman. All of those Christopher Guest mockumentaries. Brilliant. And legendarily one of the sweetest, nicest people in the improv comedy world. And just absolutely brilliant. And I loved him in everything. How do you not love Fred Willard? And Anchorman as the boss in Anchorman. Um, But the father of all of those Christopher Guest mockumentaries, Waiting for Guffman and... Um, what's the one with the dog's best in show, um, mighty wind and Fred Willard is in all those, but the father of those is Rob Reiner's spinal tap. And if you've never seen this as spinal tap, stop listening to me right now and go watch it and stream it. If you like any of the movies or comedy items that have been referenced in the last 90 seconds, stop what you're doing and go watch this as spinal tap. Just absolute brilliance. Changed my life when I saw it. And uh, among many great, great moments in there is a cameo from Fred Willard when he's working as the boss at the uh, the air base and Spinal Tap, the, the once legendary, now crumbling in terms of their popularity and the quality of gigs that they get to play, the heavy metal band from England, ends up uh, playing at the air base in Spinal Tap, and uh, Fred Willard greets them and welcomes them. May I start by saying how thrilled we are to have you here. We are such fans of your music and all of your records. That's right. I'm not speaking of yours personally, but the whole genre, the rock and roll, and so many of the exciting things that are happening in music genre. today. And let me explain a bit about what's going on. This is our monthly At Ease weekend. It gives us a chance to kind of let down our hair, although I see you all have a head start on it. These haircuts wouldn't pass military muster, believe me. Although I shouldn't talk. I, my hair's getting a little shaggy, too. Better not get too close to you. They'll think I'm part of the band. I'm joking, of course. Shall we go in and I'll show you around? Walk this way, please. Uh, right through here. 
Did you ever run into a musical group works out of Kansas City, calls themselves Four Jacks and a Jill? They've been at a Ramadi in there for about 18 months. If you're ever in Kansas City and you want to hear some good music, you might want to uh, drop by. Oh, God. Four Jacks and a Jill. It's just so much. So he does that whole scene setting up Spinal Tap as they're walking through the airbase, and then there's a smash cut to them playing, working on a sex farm. Trying to raise some hard love, taking out my pitchfork, poking your hay. <laughs> while while the, the men and women of the, the Air Force base are dancing with cocktail tables up. God, it's the greatest movie. Uh, Texter says, around 1978, I saw Fred Willard MC the comedy stage at Chicago Fest on Navy Pier. That is awesome. I, I got to tell you, I have um, a lot of uh, Facebook friends who are, are from the improv world. I did a little bit of improv before I realized I wasn't very good at it in the 90s. Um, and I have uh, a lot of Facebook friends who, who've worked with him at one time or the other. And everyone says he was the sweetest, the kindest, the nicest dude to work with. And absolutely brilliant. Texter says, here I, th- here I was thinking you were going to talk about Michael McCaskey. No, I, I mean, I... I did say a, le- a legend, right? RIP to a legend. I guess Michael McCaskey is a legend of sorts. The late Michael McCaskey passed away after a battle with leukemia. And um, man was in charge of the Bears for a long, long time. Hub Arkish and Dan Pompey are the men I would want to read eulogizing Michael McCaskey. I already read Dan Pompey and The Athletic about it. It's beautiful. Reminds you of some of the humanity within a guy that we all mocked for a long, long time. And I will not choose to mock that man today. But he was mocked a lot. Um, And he, uh, Pompey said he will be remembered laughing. Because apparently McCaskey had a great laugh. Used to come in late at night. Sometimes when the... When the writers were, a couple writers were still hanging around over at Hallis Hall, and he'd come in and hang out and talk a little bit. But uh, you can go ahead and read that and read Hub Arkish as well, talking about Michael McCaskey. Me, Fred Willard's more my speed on a show like this today. It is hit and run. It's a baseball show, but we do a lot of other things. But then at the end of the show, we get on Chris Kampka, and somehow he manages like an area rug to really tie the whole room together. We'll do that next before we get out of here for Bears Sundays at noon on The Score. The Sultan of Swat. The King of Crash. The Colossus of Clout. The Colossus of Clout. Babe He is the Sultan himself, not the Sultan of Swing or the Sultan of Swat, but the Sultan of Stat. You see what they did there? I don't know who gave you that nickname, Chris Kampka, but that's very well done by the people over at NBC Sports Chicago. I assume that's where it emerged, sir? It came from somewhere, um, but uh, I'll take I'll take whatever I can get. Yeah. Do you know where it came from? Um, I... I I thought it was Garfine or, or one of one of one of your one of your your peeps over at NBC. Honestly, I I think like you're one of the ones who uses that one the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I well, over um I, the one that um, David Kaplan gave me was Cruncher, and so that's <laughs> that's what he's been using, and a lot of people over there have been using that one. Okay. Um, well, yeah. you know. 
Well, much like a lot of things that come from Kaplan, not quite as inventive as mine. All right? No, hey, I said it out loud, but I'm kidding. I love Cap. Um, he's a good dude. I miss seeing him. I, I don't see him. I don't get over there anymore. Now that I'm, now that I've been, I've, I've been hired by your evil and um, your evil rival, Marquis, where I, I, I can be seen on Mondays over there. But you know what? We in the all, in, in, in the media world, we get along, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, be nice to everybody. I mean, it just doesn't doesn't pay off to do anything different. <laughs> That is very true, because you never know who's going to turn around and end up being your boss. It's just, it's how the world works. It's how this business has always worked. Uh, he is Chris Kampka, and we do Camp Connections, thinking about ball players wading through this vast, vast array of data that baseball has provided us for a century and more. Uh, what's on your mind today, Chris? Well, you know, you have a music theme in your show. And mm-hmm. I've been kind of thinking about the, the connections of baseball and music this week because earlier this week I figured something out or learned something that I never really knew, not that it's something that's, you know, widely known. <clears throat> but Stevie Wonder is exactly the same age as Bobby Valentine. And for some reason that's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, so there's that. And yeah. I'm like, well, are there any other matches? Well, there's a few. There's a few good ones. How about this one? Um, the, the the player who has the most career home runs of anyone born in Italy, somebody named Reno Bertoia, was born the same day as Elvis. So there's one. <laughs> and, and another one, and this one's pretty cool. Okay. Tim Laudner, the uh, former Minnesota Twins catcher, Minnesota yes. Twins catcher, was born the exact same day as Prince. He was from Minnesota. So that's a pretty cool connection right there. Uh, I bet Prince was proud of that fact, that he and Tim Laudner were exactly the same age. That's tremendous. Well, well, yeah, especially since the Twins, well, they didn't didn't then when he was playing, but they do now play pretty much right across the street from First Avenue in Minneapolis. Ah, there you go. That's right. That's right. It's right there. Stevie Wonder and Bobby Valentine both celebrated their 70th birthdays on the same day today. I did not realize that. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's, that's kind of fun. But there's so mm-hmm. many other ones. I mean, Elvis. So Elvis's distant cousin, Kirk Presley, was drafted by the Mets eighth overall in 1993. Wow. And the White that. Sox routinely do an Elvis night, right? Uh-huh. So a few fun notes about that. In 2019, this past season, they played Texas Rangers, who had Elvis Andrews. And two years before that, they played the Detroit Tigers, and in the starting lineup that night was Alex Presley. So there's a few Elvis night connections with the White Sox right there. I mean, in the White Sox, disco demolition. Music's everywhere. It and is it's everywhere. not just, you know, and they've had a few. They, the White Sox have had Michael Jackson and Jim Morrison in their franchise history. <laughs> I remember Jim Morrison. I remember Jim Morrison. I remember, I remember thinking, wow, that's... How would you how would you do that? How would you go about your life when you name Jim Morrison and you're not actually Jim Morrison? Must be a challenge. Well, you know, the doors are open to him to have a meaningful MLB career. So Wow. There's wow. that. Yeah. I mean yeah, that, and it's like happened. in Chicago, we've had a couple of players sing the national anthem. We've had Dwight Smith for the Cubs more recently. Mm-hmm. But for the White Sox, they had Lamar Johnson. And that one was in nineteen seventy six. Seven, I believe, and 
He sang a national anthem prior, prior to a doubleheader, and in the first game of that doubleheader, he hit two solo home runs, and the White Sox won two to one. Oh my God! So now and I don't know how you fi- how, I don't know how you find this, and maybe you don't, but has anybody homered in the game after which they sang the national anthem before, or is he? Hit? That's amazing. I don't even know how to check that. I mean, the only other one that I know of off the top of my head would be Stephen Brault of the um, Pirates did it a year yes. or two ago. And it, those are those three are the only ones I can think of. And I'm sure I'm, there are probably other ones. Yeah, Stephen Brault is a uh, is a big show tunes guy. I was talking about that with um, with Jason Benetti because um, Jason and I share a Broadway bent, which some people might have seen when we recorded Suddenly Seymour from Little Shop of Horrors uh, this week as part of his Sportscaster Scenes uh, series. But Stephen Brault is uh, is very much a, a Broadway show tune kind of guy. But uh, but but forgive me, you're rolling. Go ahead. Keep rolling with baseball and music there, Chris. Okay. So you know the Pointer Sisters, right? I do. We Are Family is their song that uh, became Sister the anthem Sledge. for this. Oh, the Sister Sledge. I'm sorry. Yes. How dare but, I? But the, you Sledge. have the Pointer Sisters. Well, there was a Pointer brother. His name was Aaron Pointer. And he played Major League Baseball in the 60s. Wow. I did not know that. That's yeah, that, that was a fun one. He played for Houston uh, from 1963 to 67. Uh, he spanned the Houston Colt 45s, and then he kept playing a few years later when they were later the Astros. And then, of course, we have uh, Tug McGraw, whose son is a mm-hmm. famous uh, country musician. Yeah, for those who don't know, Tim McGraw, um, Mr. Faith Hill, Tim McGraw is the son of the legendary Phillies and Mets relief pitcher, Tug McGraw. Uh, Boog Shambi told that great story about Tug McGraw a few weeks ago on this show. Um, uh, that, that was his guy growing up. Tug was, Tug was his hero. Yep. And, and then um, there's actual, there's, there's baseball players who actually were performers. I found this little fun nugget. Mike Piazza, um, there was a song, Stronger Than Death by the Black Label Society. And he actually does some of the, the death growls in the background. Oh God! Yeah. Well, yeah. And then, all right. So, so Piazza death growls is one thing, but I mean, last week we talked to Scott Radinsky. That is a legit punk frontman lead singer. His teammate Blackjack McDowell. I saw Jack McDowell with his band Stick Figure at Martyrs in gosh nineties. Six, seven? I don't, I don't remember. But you know, so there's, there, there's a lot of them actually, right? Oh yeah, and you can, you can even. I was listening right before the show. Uh, Ruben Sierra has a successful salsa career, and um, that's fun to listen to. And it's not just the players on the field, because we all know Country Joe West has a few country oh, albums boy. out there. I actually own a pair of those. Joe West Wait. country music album. That's a great collectible. Yeah, um, Cowboy Joe West. I always sometimes I call him Country because that, but that's Country Joe McDonald from Country You're Joe right. and the Fish, You're right? Cowboy Woodstock Joe. fame, Cowboy Joe. But yeah, those uh, those Cowboy Joe songs. It's 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 some of the only stuff that could make me hate him more than the balk call he made on Mark Burley, among other things. Well, I mean, I haven't opened those albums because they're such collector's items. So, <laughs> you know, you have that. Um, you know, uh, even going back to. Um, Going back to the 60s and 70s, Denny McLean was quite an organ player. 
So yes. much so that he not only did he play on the Ed Sullivan show, but he also uh-huh. re- he released a few LPs. And listen to that stuff. That's some slick sounding kind of lounge music jazz. Yeah, really it's like on the ha- yeah. Well, playing the Hammond organ, and he uh, yep. I, I think he was an endorser for the Hammond organ, and he and his World Series counterpart Bob Gibson played together because Bob Gibson was a guitar player. So yeah, they, they they used to jam together, which is crazy to think about because they battled each other in 1968 in that great World Series. And both 1968 Cy Young Award winners who, wow, I mean, how about that? Um, Tony <laughs> Caniglero. How, how about that? You just went Mel Allen. You just went legit Mel Allen on me. Keep going. Tony C, yes. Tony Caniglero had a few hits such as Playing the Field and oh, Little Red Scooter. <laughs> and, so, Tony C, is Tony C still the youngest guy to lead his league in home runs? That sounds I, I, right. Yeah, I that think, sounds I, right. Yeah, I, he was the youngest guy to lead the league in home runs at, at the time that he did it. I think he held that for a while. Yep. But, um, yep. Let's see. MC Hammer worked for Charlie Finley. During the, yes, uh, MC, during the 70s. MC Hammer yeah. worked for Charlie Finley and uh, and used to he, he got tight with Ricky Henderson. I forget some of the details, but yeah, at, at, at MC Hammer is a young A's employee in the 70s. I do remember that. Yeah, um, Negro League star Charlie Pride went on to become a famous country singer. I did not know that Charlie Pride played in the Negro Leagues. That's amazing. Yes. He, he played for the Memphis Red Sox as well as the Birmingham Black Barons, and he played in the Negro League East-West games in the early 60s, right before those games stopped being. So there, it, that's you know that's another one. Uh, Bernie Williams has performed Ber- yes um, at the Hall of Fame ceremony this past uh, in 2019. He did mm-hmm. a little thing at the Hall of Fame. Exactly. Hey, Bernie Williams, uh, Bernie Williams um, has been on the show a couple times, and I've I've jammed with Bernie many times as part of the Hot Stove Cool Music events. He's a great guitar player, really good jazz guitar player, but just loves to play and um, is a is a sweet guy. Somewhere we've got a version, Sean Anderson. We've got a version of Bernie playing. This is this is it, I think. Doing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" on solo guitar, and it's a haunting, actually beautiful version of him doing that. Keep going, Chris. We'll play yeah, this he, under you. And he did that, right? And then he kind of went into an Enter Sandman riff. It's a Hall of Fame thing. Which <laughs> For I really Mariano. I'm like, come on, this is yes. going to happen, right? Because he's coming up next. Yes. Um, a few others. Barry Zito, obviously, uh, who came oh, out yeah. to be the masked singer, uh, is, is, a, is a performer of some note. Mm-hmm. And he, mm-hmm. you can go all the way back to the early 1900s, actually. Um, Doc White of the White Sox, who had a record, I think it was his record, that Don Drysdale broke for consecutive scoreless innings back in 1904. And he was a composer. He actually composed sheet music in addition to being a dentist. So that's why he was a doc. (laughs) Can't make this up. You cannot make this up. uh, You'll be a dentist, taking us back to Little Shop of Horrors. Um, yeah, I mean, that is that, that's great stuff, Chris Kamka. I, I I I love all this stuff. Wow. Yeah. So um, um, you can take any, it back. Any more? Go ahead. One last 
one last one. Okay. Speaking of MC Hammer, Jimmy yes. Rollins appeared in his, the Adams Family Groove music video when he was 13 years old. So it's like music <laughs> video appearances as well as music videos and all that stuff. Oh, my God. So, That's the yep. best. All right. Uh, there's a ton Chris, of ties with baseball and music. Thank you for all of those. Um, that's that's tremendous. Right up my alley. You're the best. Have a great week. Thanks. You too. All right. That's Chris Kampka, at C. Kampka on Twitter. It is 6-7 to the score. It's Matt Spiegel wrapping up Hit and, hit and Run. Thanks for listening. I know it's a, it can be a unique experience, this show. Thank you for uh, being a part of it. It was great fun today. Sean Anderson, great job producing. As always, thank you so much. Um, remember that today... Bears Sundays comes up next with Jeff Joniak giving you a few words before Bears Rams from a couple years back. And tonight at 10 o'clock, Danny Parkins right here doing a post-Last Dance show. So tune in right after the Last Dance tonight at 10. Tune in and talk about it with Danny right here on The Score. Have a great day, everybody. Talk to you next week. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.